Great. Well, thank you guys so much for being uh, with us. And um, thanks for joining us over the last uh, seven, eight weeks, particularly where we've been thinking about what it means to be a church. And when we started off, we talked about this mission statement for Vintage Pasadena, which is to see God's kingdom come to our communities through making disciples who live as whole life followers of Jesus. And over the last weeks, we've been unpacking what that really means in every area of the life of our church. We've been through so far five different statements about being a word and spirit church, about being a missional church, about being a loving church. Um, But today we get to the last one of the last ones we're going to cover. We're going to leave one for a future date because we thought we'd probably better talk about church planting a little bit further down the line. But today we're going to go with this one, which is that we, the church, Grow a diverse community of all ages who share deeply with one another in worship, in small groups, and ministries. And, you know, I am unsurprisingly so, so passionate about this. Now, let me ask you a question. When God had the church in mind, what did he mean? What was he expecting it to look like? Was he looking for cathedrals or arenas, houses, Old buildings, formal churches, informal churches, noisy churches, quiet churches, liturgical churches, spontaneous churches, big churches, small churches. Like, what did God have in mind? Well, the bad news is I don't think the Bible necessarily tells us the answer to those bits. But the Bible does tell us loads and loads about what the church is for, who the church is called to be, and the difference that that will make on the world by when the church is the church. And so we're going to look together at um, actually literally my favorite passage of scripture in the whole Bible. When we were starting Vintage at the beginning of 2020, uh, we had to decide what was going to be the first thing we would ever preach. And this was the passage that we camped on for two, two weeks. And the reason we do is because it is just the most beautiful description of the church. And if you want a little bit of context, Jesus has come to earth, lived died, risen again, and then come toward the end of his, his time on earth. And he says at the end of his time on earth to his followers, like, wait in Jerusalem because the Holy Spirit is going to come and give you power and help and everything you need. And so sure enough, if you know that little bit at the beginning of Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. It's like fireworks kick off everywhere. The tongues of fire, the wind of the Spirit, miracles everywhere. And if you're like a Pentecost or a charismatic, you're like, this is the good bit. This is what we came for. Um, But then, actually, if you keep reading through Acts chapter 2, you get to verse 42. And in verse 42, you see what the outcome of the Holy Spirit-filled church looks like which is a Holy Spirit-filled church on fire for Jesus. And so we're going to read from Acts 2, 42 to 47. Acts 2, 42 to 47. And Isa is going to come and read that for us. The Fellowship of the Believers. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, 
praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Awesome. Thank you, Isa. So three things we need to know about the first church community. Uh, they were a holy community, they were a loving community, and they were an intentional community. Holy community, a loving community, an intentional community. So if you ever get the chance to study theology, and some of you are literally starting this week at Fuller, so hey to you guys, well done for coming. You will get the opportunity to study the most beautiful and intricate bit of all theology, which is the theology of the Trinity. And if you want the 30,000-foot view of the, the theology of the Trinity, it basically goes like this. Before God ever made a world, God was in community. God was not some lonely old guy in the sky desperate for someone to talk to. God, the Father... God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit existed in a beautiful, loving, shared life. The word that theologians use is the word perichoresis. And it's about the, the giving and the receiving of love and community to one another. If you think about like, the best relationship you can even imagine between a man and a woman or a family, like, that is the kind of relationship or just an echo of the kind of relationship that God had before the world was created. And when God did create the earth, when God made Adam and Eve, he invited them into that same story. He swept them up into the life of the Trinity so that they would share the holiness, the beauty, the life, and the love of the Godhead, the Trinity themselves. And you see it. In Adam and Eve, you see it in Abraham and the people of Israel. And then with the coming of the Holy Spirit, the death and resurrection of Jesus, in the most beautiful and full sense, you see that in the church. The church is the group, the people, the entity, which is to be swept up, gathered in like a, you know, like a mother hen, gathers its tiny chicks together, swept up into the family of God. And when Jesus is coming to the end of his life in John 17, he actually says this, his prayer for the church goes like this, I pray that all of them, which is the church, may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. There's the Trinity, perichoresis. May they also, may they, the church, be in us, the Trinity, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. In fact, what Jesus says is, this is how the world gets to know about who God is. By the life of the church. Because it's in the life of the church where the Spirit of God dwells richly and the holiness and the presence of God is present. And as the world sees the church, it's supposed to go, ah, that's who God is. So how did they do it? How did they do it? Well, let's see. Verse 42. They, the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. The church was a holy community, a community that was devoted to learning more about their creator. They shared in this word fellowship, which is a word we don't really use, but it's the word kononia. 
And it means a deep and profound relationships with each other and with God. They shared communion and prayer and worship. They were full of the Holy Spirit. And as they were full of the Holy Spirit, this is what happened. They shone the brightness and the beauty and the power of God out into the world. They were, if you like, like mirrors that weren't just pointed to the world and not just pointed to God, but they were like those diagonal kind of mirrors which shine light from one place to the other. They shone God's light into the world. Matthew 5, you, the church, are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop cannot be hidden. Are you getting it? This is who we are. The church is the hope, the light of the world. And as such, we are deeply loved, deeply cherished, wonderfully set aside by God for the purpose that we exist. And God loves us so much. You know, Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives. It's good advice, by the way, just in case you were wondering, husbands love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The church is the hope for the world. It is the set-aside love community. And as Rick Warren puts it really well, the Bible says that God created the entire universe just so he could create this galaxy, just so he could create earth, just so he could create human beings, just so he could create a family. God wanted a family, and that family, the church, is going to outlast everything else, and he wants me to be part of it. The church is the set-aside holy community of God. And it is the way that God wants to bring his presence, his love, his holiness to dwell in the earth. Now, the implications of that are actually pretty massive if you think about it. Because if the only way that the world gets to know the goodness and the holiness and the power of God is through the actions and the life of the church, then what that actually means is this. In order for Pasadena to thrive in order for your street to thrive, in order for your school to thrive, in order for, to, to thrive, I'm getting my mixed up, in order for the economy to thrive, the church has to thrive. Are you tracking me? The church has to thrive for the society to thrive for the kingdom of God to come. This, guys, good news, where we are this morning, this is holy It's holy. Just turn to the person next to yourself for one moment. Just turn and say, this is holy. Don't look at the pews. The pews aren't holy. The pews aren't holy, but this is holy. It's the same if you're in a community group where two or more gather in the name of Jesus. God's presence is there at work. This is holy because we, the church, blaze the light of Christ into the darkness and death can't overcome it. It's wonderful. You know, when I was in business and I had a wonderful time being in business, I loved it. But the, the, the passage, the vision that really like changed my whole trajectory of my life was this passage. Because when I thought, oh, wow, that's what the church is supposed to be. I was like, oh, yeah, man, I'll give my life to that. That is really good. That is really good. So the church is holy. The second thing is that they were a loving community, a loving community. Why were they loving Well, they were loving because they were swept up in that familial, loving, beautiful, caring life of God. And God is the most supremely kind and loving being that that has ever existed in the universe. And so when the Holy Spirit comes on the church, the church is overwhelmingly loving. 
Verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Now, the word common could be misunderstood to be like uniformity. Like it's not that they were all like five foot ten, Mediterranean complexion, you know, same facial hair, looked the same, like the same food. That's not what the original church looked like. In fact, if you've ever read church history, you know that's exactly the opposite of what the early church was like. It was so diverse. The word common, though, is like that word fellowship, kononia, which means that they shared deeply and shared everything together. The love of God. Verse 45, they, this is what they did. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They sold property and possessions to, have, to give to anyone who had need. Like, what is that? That is the overflowing sense of love which means that if you are in a community of love, it's actually impossible for somebody to do really badly and everybody else to be okay about it. In fact, the only way you can act if you love one another so deeply is that if one person suffers, you recognize everybody suffers. If one person wins, everybody wins, which means everybody is in it together. And the early church were in it at that deep level, full of the Holy Spirit. And let's just be honest, this is supposed to be the description of the church today. Our church, every church today. We don't love because we're nice, we actually love because we're full of the Holy Spirit and God's life is coursing through our veins. You know, if you're a charismatic or a Pentecostal like me, you know, you love the fireworks of the Holy Spirit, the miracles of the Holy Spirit. But the book that we sometimes gloss over is the output the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is not miracles and healings and dramatic stuff. It's this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And in fact, church, the way that the world is supposed to know how to love is by seeing it in our lives. Challenged by that? (laughs) I'm challenged by that. 1 John 5, no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, the church, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. We model what love is in the world. And you know, I love LA so much. I love being here. But you know, in our city, one third of residents of LA live alone now. A huge number work on their couches on Zoom. We hate public transport. And that means we don't get to see each other that much. We are isolated and a lonely city like many around the world. And yet, we the church are supposed to be the people, the group that speaks of what love and care looks like. We bring the presence of Jesus to overcome loneliness and break down, and we bring kindness and care to bear. Now, the wonderful thing is, you know, church, I think we're already well underway with this story. You know, as I look around our church, I am so heartwarmed by what I hear. You know, when I hear about our community groups, which literally, in some of your community groups, you are feeding people and keeping them in housing. When you are 
people who are sick in community groups. You are around each other's house, like providing food and care. You are going the extra mile. You are going deep with one another. You are modeling a beautiful sense of deep community, and it's fantastic. But I'm also encouraged because like the early church, it's not just about inside the church. The early church primarily met in the temple courts, which was like the shopping mall or the city center. And what they did was that they loved the world around them. And as I hear stories like Sammy's and Seth's about going to Mexico last week, or I hear about people in our city working with Stars and Door of Hope and Claris Health and bringing transformation to people experiencing homelessness on the streets. I'm like, guys, yes, yes, this is the love of the church. Now, let me also just say this. Some of you have not experienced that in the church. You haven't. Not talking about this church particularly, but you've been part of churches in your life where you have not been loved, where you've not been cared for, where you've not been looked after, where you've not experienced a radical kindness and hospitality. And that's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay if you'd experienced it here. It's not okay if you've experienced it anywhere else. But I am really sorry. As a a leader in the global church, I am sorry if that has been your experience. But, But hear this. Please don't give up on it. Please don't walk away from it. Give it another chance because it is so important. So they were holy. They were loving. And number three, they were intentional. Intentional. How did they reflect the life and the light of God into the world? They were deeply intentional about how they lived together. Um, This week, I was uh, interviewed on the radio. I'd like to tell you this happens every week. It does not happen every week. Um, But someone phoned and said, we'd love to interview about Vintage Church, because we'd love to know what's going on at Vintage Church Pasadena. And so the question was, like, tell us about your church. And and I, I had to catch myself, because my immediate response was almost the one that everybody gives. Oh, we're a big old white building on the corner of Walnut and Las Robles, and we have this many people, and the building's like this, and we run these programs and these events and these church services. And I just, just about managed to catch myself in time to say, like, hold on, no, 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 no. We are a community of people. We are no more and we are no less than the family of God that gathers together in a particular time and a particular place to be part of God's story across the world. One of the biggest mistakes we ever make when we think about the church is that we think that it is other to who we are and that we think that we can sort of spectate it or critique it. Whereas in fact, the biblical description of the church which we get in 1 Corinthians 12 is actually of a body, a body. Paul says, hey, you, the church, one of you, you're the elbow, One of you, you're the finger. One of you, you're the smelly big toenail. Well, he doesn't say that, but, you know, that's me. You know, one of you is the eye. One of you is the ear. And when you come together, you are the church. Nothing more, nothing less than that. You are the body of Christ when you do that together. It's not something you attend. In fact, let me just say this a little bit bravely, and sorry, I might sound a bit grumpy. I don't mean to. But whenever someone says, which church do you attend, or are you going to church, those statements are actually factually impossible. You cannot attend a church. You cannot go to a church. All you can do is be the church. 
Are you tracking with me? Yeah, you can't. You can't. Because it's a bit like saying, hey, man, I'm on a sports team, so I'm going to go and attend my sports team. No, you don't attend your sports team. You might be a spectator. That's a different thing. But you can only play in the sports team. Or if you're the third violinist in the, you know, the orchestra, you don't attend the, the orchestra. No, you are the orchestra. Or if you're like you know, the donkey in the Christmas nativity play, you, know, you don't attend the Christmas nativity. No, you are in the Christmas nativity because you are the Christmas nativity. You know, like all over the, the US right now, people are asking this question, like, what's going on in the church? What's going on with the church? You know, church attendance has declined since the pandemic. There's all this stuff. And people are going, like, what's the biggest threat to the church in the United States? Is it like persecution? Is it changes of rules? You know, is it culture? Like, what is the biggest problem? And, and my response is really easy. It's the same as it always has been. It's really simple. Either in this generation, like every other generation, the church is going to stand up and be the church, or it's not. When we look at churches and we go, oh man, that church used to be the best church in the city. That church was thriving. That church was incredible. And I don't know what's happened to it. I'll tell you what happened to it. That church hasn't got a hip right now. That church hasn't got a leg right now. That church hasn't got a foot right now because people who used to go like, I'm all in for this, when oh, I can't be bothered with this anymore. I'm out. Sorry, I'm being very grumpy. Apologize later. The church is not something different to who we are. It is who we are called to be. And if you take a part of it away, it doesn't work properly. It doesn't work. But look at this church, this first church. What did it look like for them? Verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Every day, they were so in love with God and so in love with one another that they were just all in for it. You know, I don't know how your weeks work. Um, believe it or not, Laura and I have not always been pastors. Well, and I even used to have hair once upon a time before I was a pastor. But, um, you know, you'd sit down at the beginning of the week, right, and you have to work out what your weeks are going to look like. And so you sort of, like, either you do this deliberately or you do this kind of just you know, implicitly, and you, you start with, okay, right, well, you know, what are the things this week I have to do? It's like, work, <laughs> like, eat food, you know, take kids to school, like, those are the non-negotiables, so you're like, okay, that's got to happen in the calendar. And then you kind of start to work through the events of the week, don't you? It's like, okay, uh, go shopping, clean house, do chores, want to have coffee with that person, go to the beach with that person, play sports with that thing. You know, we just kind of go, go to church, go, you know, hang out with my community group. And you just kind of put them all out there, right? And then probably all of us, we have this sort of implicit way that we judge whether we are up for something. You know, we have the priorities, like, and I don't know what yours are, but it probably may be like, okay, well, you know, what, what will it cost me? Will it be good? Will I enjoy myself? Will it be restful? Does it fit with my schedule with other things that I want to do in the week? You know, who will be mad if I don't go? You know, whatever your, you know, whatever the, the schedule, things are. And we put them all out. And then when we, we, we get to the week, the things that we, we do are the things which we have at the top of the list, right? You know, those things, like being invited to go to the Hollywood Bowl for a concert, like, Everything else out of the way, like, that's going like there. We'll move everything else around. Or like, but that, the things at the bottom of the list, if you're like me, like 
Well, to be honest, they just don't really happen. <laughs> it's like they might happen. They might happen if nothing else good comes along. But if anything good comes along, they will be the first things to disappear off the list, right? I don't think, sorry, being very grumpy, just won't go with me, right? I don't think the church should sit in that space, right? I, I, you know, they just did a recent survey, um, and they've, they've reclassified church attendance in the United States. And they've basically said that uh, to be a regular church member now, you only have to go to church once a month. That's considered a regular church attendance. Now, I'm not saying that turning up on a Sunday is equating to being the body of Christ and doing everything. It's way bigger conversation than that. But it, it strikes me that there is something about intentionality that seems to deeply matter when we talk about being the body of Christ. Every day, these guys were like, we're all in. Let us into each other's house. Let's go and do this. They broke bread and they, they did it. When Paul speaks of the church, he says, do not give up meeting together, as some are in the habits of doing, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. It's why when you know, God made the world, Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, he said, seven days, six days, we're going to work and work and work, and the seventh day I'm going to rest. Now that's a pattern of work and rest, but it's bigger than that. Because when God then institutes the people of Israel, Moses and the law comes what does he say he says six days a week you guys go for it like all in go for it work hard play hard have fun go crazy it's going to be absolutely brilliant but one day we're going to call it the sabbath please 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 would you stop would you stop would you stop trying to be in control would you stop running your agenda? Would you stop doing your own thing? And would you just come and remember something? Would you remember that I am good? Would you come into my presence? Would you receive my grace? Would you hear my voice? Would you sit at my feet? Would you receive my healing? Would you come and be the people that I intended you to be? That's a beautiful pattern. It's a beautiful instrument it's a beautiful message to the world of priority isn't it you know like my parents uh, my grandparents generation uh, they got many things wrong <laughs> i'll say that sorry if you're watching um, got many things wrong um, but but when i was 15 my and i said to my parents hey like sunday i want to go and play first division soccer football in hong kong they said to me no problem at all just tell me which bit of the, your Sabbath day you're going to reorientate around to make sure you're in church and, and your youth group. And I thought that was really mean and, and unfair. But actually, I look back now and I'm like, no, but that was, they were right. They were right because there is something about our calendars. There's something about our choices. There's something about the way that we act that actually speaks to the intentionality of what is important in our lives. Right? If one day I get arrested and someone says, I'm going to arrest you because you're a Christian... I really hope that there's enough evidence in my life to convict me. I really hope that there's going to be enough evidence. I don't really, but you know, I really hope that there is enough evidence in our lives because actually the world's supposed to see something in us. The church matters and how we engage with it seems, seems to matter. But it's no surprise to me, let's go back to the early church. What does it say of them? It says... They enjoyed the favor of all the people. Now, that's just another way of saying the world looked at the church and went, that's amazing. 
That's fantastic. Look at that. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved, which is another crass way of saying, and the world looked at the church and went, that is fantastic. Let me in. Let me in. I want some of that. I want some of that. Now, I know this is so radical. You probably go, he's a religious and contentious, and I don't like what he's saying this morning, but it is radical. The way this church existed in their culture was totally countercultural. The way they committed to one another was totally countercultural. The way that they sacrificed life to one another was totally countercultural. And I think, church, in the next 50, 100 years in our nation, you know, we're going to have to be countercultural in the same kind of ways. We are. Because the world is not going to help us with hanging out together necessarily. Our culture is not going to part the waves so we can have Sundays off to come and chill out together or community groups together. It's going to be radical. But do you know what? The more the world gets into FOMO, the more the world gets into radical individualization and minimum control and maximum choice, the more the church is invited to model a different way of being a human being a radical, other-centered, God-fueled way of being the church. So as I close, what do, what, do we, what do we do? What might you do? Well, very obvious, right? If this is your church, or if you're just visiting today and you're normally in another church, find a church, a local expression of the global body of Christ, and go and give yourself to it. Don't go and find a perfect one for two reasons. One is it doesn't exist. And two, if it does exist and you join it, you'll ruin it. Don't find a perfect one. Just find find one that you can give yourself to. And and go and give yourself deeply to it. And I know that's risky because some of you have been hurt in church, but just... Just go for it. When we say stick six, as John just did, that's not marketing, that's theology. It says you can't thrive, the city can't thrive, the church can't thrive, the nation can't thrive unless we are all deeply ingrained and embedded in our local churches. Right? So find, find a church. Um, here at Vintage, we have four things we mean by that. Um, every church is probably very slightly different. The first thing we say and good news is you already checked the box this week. Well done. It's like, come on Sundays. The good news is we're not saying churches every day anymore. It's okay. We're not following the New Testament model in that respect. You, know, you don't have to come every single day. But please, like one and a half hours a week, would you come and be here? If you have to be out of town for work or something, please join us on YouTube. But come, commit to one another. Not just for, not just for your benefit, but actually for the benefit of the person you're sitting next to this morning, the person that you're encouraging, the person that you will say hello to at the door as we model something of light. Come, come on Sundays. It's the equivalent of what they did in the temple courts. Number two, be in a small group. Be in a community group, we call them here at Vintage. Now, you notice at the early church, they met in temple courts, but they also met in people's homes. Now, that's actually theologically really important. Because when you gather with hundreds of other people, it's amazing. When you get to sing and pray and listen and be involved like that, that's incredible. But actually, you won't really get known that way. You won't really receive deep, intimate, personal, one-on-one love and attention that way. I wish Laura and I had the capacity to do that for two, three, four hundred people. We don't have that capacity. The way you get known, the way you get loved, the way you get cared for 
is actually to choose to meet in someone's home once a week and study the Bible and worship and pray with them. So join, join a community group and go deep with them. The third thing we say um, here at Vintage is join a team. Now, we, we say that for all of the kind of practical reasons of like getting things done, but actually we also realize that when Paul said, you're a leg and you're an arm and you're a big toenail and you know, you're a hair or you know, whatever it was, right? what he was actually saying is, you are more than your sparkling personality. You are more than your beautiful good looks. But there is something about the shape of who God made you to be which actually builds the body of Christ. So part of who you are is to bring all that you are and serve the body so that the body is the body. So we say serve once a month, serve on a team. And then fourthly, we, we say, um, which is a whole sermon for another day really, but to give, give sacrificially and financially in tithing. Now, theologically, we can talk about that different day, different topic. But the crass way you might say is, if we are the body of Christ, if we are the church, if we exist to reflect the light and the love of God into the world, then how do we do that? How do we get to do anything? How do we hold a lunch? Or how do we run something in the park? Well, we do it when we open up our wallets and our time and our tithes and our talent and our treasure and we give sacrificially. But the vision is that as we do that, we, the church, centered on the word, full of the spirit, engage deeply in the missional life of God in the world, loving each other deeply, a place where people can belong, are able to make disciples, shine God's holiness and life and love into the city, and that our city would be renewed and transformed and changed by the good news of Jesus Christ. It's our choice, our invitation. So we're going to respond uh, now. And um, I'm going to invite you to respond in a slightly different way today. Um, In a moment, Tom's going to lead us in worship. And uh, when he does, uh, the prayer ministry team are going to be available to pray with you uh, in the front corners of the room. And I'll just say these now. So particularly, they they felt that somebody... um, was here and that God wanted to um, heal them because they've got inflammation around their neck or their throat. Um, Secondly, that God wanted to heal someone who has got um, maybe a a lower back pain, maybe a disc issue in their lower back. Uh, Third, um, if you've got a patella injury, I don't know what that is, but you've got one of those. Um, And fourthly, um, someone who's um, got something to do with their teeth. They want to pray with you, but... I'm going to invite you um, to respond in this way. Uh, Tom's going to start to lead us in worship. But I'm going to invite you to stand when you're ready. And maybe this morning, by standing, what you're, you're making a commitment to do, whether this is your church or you're just visiting and you go to another church, that's totally great. You're making a commitment to say, God, I, I, I am in for your body. I am in to be your bride. I am in to be part of this global thing that you want to do in the world. And so feel free to stay and just have a conversation with God. You can stay seated as long as you want to do. But when you're ready, I invite you to stand and to join in with Tom. And we, we're just going to say, Lord, we, we want what you have for your church. We want what you have in your kingdom. We want what you have in Pasadena because we want to see your light shine into the very darkest places. So let's pray.